take your Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 1. chapter 1 this morning, <clears throat> and I'm just going to read from verse 26 as we begin this morning. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Let's open with a word of prayer. So Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we can be together in this place, that we can come and worship you, sing praise to your name. We thank you, Lord, for your holy word and the great truths contained therein. Lord, we pray that this morning, as we continue our study in Genesis chapter 1 of the creation account, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would teach us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would empower me now this morning through your Holy Spirit, and give me wisdom and guidance to speak. Lord, you would just... Uh, Work in each of our hearts, and may we leave this morning singing your praises. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, last time we began to consider the events of day six of creation. Of course, at the end of day five, we we saw that the earth was no longer without uh, form and void. Okay, it had form, and now it had life. Uh, the the oceans now are teeming with all kinds of marine life. The 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 heavens are filled with all manner of bird life. But of course, at the end of day five, there was still one sphere that was uninhabited, that was still void of life. And of course, that's the land, the dry land that God had created. And that was the work that God set about to do on day six, to fill the land with all manner of life. And we talked about how this day really is divided into two parts. You've got the creation of the land-based animals and then the creation of man. And we looked at the creation of the land-based animals last time. We talked about how God uh, formed them from uh, the elements already in existence. He took the, the matter which he created on day one and he formed it and he gave them a soul. He gave them life. And so you have the, the, these two uh, things that are already in existence, matter and the principle of life and God formed the animals that we see today, all the different kinds, all the different species that we see. God made them by the power of his word. And of course we talked about also how God had made them all distinct, but he made them able to reproduce after their kind. And now this morning we come, uh, really if you like, to the pinnacle of God's creation. The creation of man. And so first of all here this morning... Uh, we see that once again God speaks. God speaks. This is our first point this morning. God speaks. Look in verse 26 again. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, verse 26 begins with 
the now very familiar words, and God said. But what follows after that is completely different to anything that's gone on before. It's completely different to every other day and every other time God has spoken. This is now a completely different event. You see, on the previous occasions when, we, when we've read and God said, it's been followed by a declaration by God, hasn't it? You know, and God said, let there be light. Okay, or, and God said, let the earth bring forth. It's been followed by a declaration that something would be formed, something would be created. But here in this verse, we instead read of a conversation taking place in the heavens, a, a divine consultation, if you like. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Now, it's clear here that God is not speaking to the angels. Okay, this, we're not reading here uh, God talking to the angels. And that's clear because the angels are not created, sorry, that man is not created in the image of angels. Okay, and angels are not created in the image of God. Okay, and verse 27 makes it clear that we were created in God's image. It says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And so... It's not talking about God speaking to the angels here because man is not created in the likeness of angels. We are created in the likeness of God, the image of God. You know, the angels also don't have power to create. You know, they themselves are created beings. So what we are privy to here, what we are reading here, is a conversation taking place amongst the blessed Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, it's a, it's a wonderful verse that, again, you know, this is the first chapter of the Bible, but it's a wonderful verse that once again tells us that there is more to our God. It teaches to us the plurality of the Godhead. You know, back in verse 1, if you remember where we read, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. When we looked at verse 1, we talked about the word God there, and we said that it's the Hebrew word Elohim. And that's a, it's a, a uniplural word, and so it's a, a word that speaks about the uniplurality of the Godhead. And so we already had indications of the fact that God is a trinity, and here we again see this truth clearly here in verse 26. In particular, you see it because in verse 26, as we read this, this consultation, if you like, there's alternation, alternation sorry, between the, the singular and plural all the way through. If you read verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us, that's plural, make man in our, plural, image, singular. And so you've got plural, but it's one image. And then it says, After our, plural, likeness, singular. And so the point is, you're witnessing here God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit speaking about creating man in their image, because it's one image. Because we believe in one God, eternal existing in three persons. That's who our God is. And so we see that indicated again here in verse 26. We see indicated the fact that our God is more than at first sight. You know, just one. There is one God, but there's three persons. Each having a distinct function within the Godhead. So here we have God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit having this conversation or this consultation, if you like, and it's concerning the creation of man. You see, this hasn't taken place with any of the other creative acts. This hasn't happened before. This is something new here in Genesis chapter 1. You see, man is God's special, unique creation, and so there is a consultation that takes place. You know, we see this type of exchange amongst the Godhead in other places in the Old Testament. Let's just turn and look at a couple. Psalm chapter 2, first of all. Psalm 2. verse which is probably familiar for many psalm 2 and, and verse 7 we read it says i will declare the decree the lord hath said unto me thou art my son this day have i begotten thee and of course we're we're witnessing god the father talking to the son here and so you got this conversation going on this exchange amongst the godhead and as i 48 verse 16 we we see a similar thing just turn over there as i 48 there's many others we can look at. We just turn into a couple. Isaiah 48. We're starting verse 16. It says, Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and his Spirit hath sent me. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go and so talk in verse 16 in particular there you've got all three again mentioned you've got the son the father and the spirit and this conversation there's this interaction amongst the godhead in the new testament we see this fellowship this interaction amongst christ and the father i just turn to john 17 just one example john 17 john 17 and and verse 24 read this it says father i will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where i am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world of course christ is talking here okay and he's talking to who the father and so there's this interaction again between the son and the father you know, we could go and look at many more verses, but all these verses highlight for us this, this fascinating insight, if you like, into the Godhead, into what takes place in heaven, this, this interaction amongst the three persons of the Godhead. You see, there's fellowship, there's love, there's communion that takes place. And here in Genesis chapter 1, the conversation, the consultation is concerning us. It's concerning man. The creation of man. Isn't that an interesting thought? The consultation here is concerning man. Before God creates us, there is this consultation taking place. Now concerning this consultation, one commentator wrote this. He said this, The light, the waters, and dry, dry land, the heavenly bodies and the brute world all had all heard the voice of God and obeyed it. But no consultation had been held prior to their entrance into the world. Why? Because they were manner, dumb and impotent. But now is to be created a being endowed with mind and volition, capable even of rebellion against his creator. 
there must be a pause before such a being is made. The project must be considered. The probable issues must be calculated. His relation to heaven and earth must be contemplated. It is a solemn event. And that really is the point here, is this consultation. There's more to just the creation of man. Before this, you know, the, the creatures, they're just creatures. They've got life, yes. But man is a totally different being. Man is a totally different thing. We, we have an interaction with God, as we'll talk about a little bit later on. We have an interaction with God that the animals don't have. We have a free will. God created us with a free will. God created us with the ability to rebel against him. To rebel against our creator. And yet God still chose to create us. Even though God knew that, God still chose to create us. Why? Well, it comes back to the love of God, doesn't it? God's love. And God's grace that he would still create mankind. And you know, part of this consultation concerning man, without doubt, includes God's determination to provide a way of salvation for us after we rebelled. Now, God is God. He's, he's omniscient. He knows all things. He knew what Adam and Eve were going to do. He knew their sin. He knew they would rebel. And so God had already put in place uh, the, the means of redemption. God had already planned for it. He knew we would rebel, and so God determined to send his Son to provide a way of salvation. The New Testament talks about this. Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter 1, verse 19. It says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, that was manifest in these last times for you. It was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Part of this consultation is Christ being uh, sent to save us from our sins. This, this was all part of the discussion. This was all part of the plan. God already knew what he was going to do. He's going to send his son to shed his blood for us. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 uh, likewise speaks about this. Just turn there, Second Timothy. Second Timothy 1 and verse 9, it says, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before the world began. Before the world began, God had determined to do this, determined that he would save us. And so God, as he determines to create man here in Genesis chapter 1, God has already planned a way of redemption. Isn't that an amazing thought? Right here at the beginning, before he even creates us, as he's having this consultation, God already has the plan in place. God already knows what he's going to do to save us from our sin that he knows we're going to commit. It's the love and grace of God, isn't it? He already had these things in plan. What amazing love, what amazing grace. Now, what wisdom, what knowledge, what power is highlighted here about our God in the creation of man? And so we see here God determining to make man in his own image. You know, man is to be the highest, the, the most complex of all his creatures. 
given dominion over the sea, the air and the land, as verse 26 there tells us. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so man is to have this dominion over all the rest of his creation. This is what man was created to do. And, and God says here, let us make man in our image. This is his determination here. You know, the word make here, in verse 26, is the Hebrew word we've seen before. It's that word asar. Okay, it's that, that word speaking about taking something that is already in existence and forming it into something new. You see, God makes man's body just as he had made the bodies of the animals. God makes it from those things which have already been created. And in verse 24, we saw last time, we saw the animals were formed from the earth. Okay, Verse 24, it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. Okay, the earth, God commanded the earth to bring forth. And then in verse 25, it says, And God made. And so God made the animals from those things already in existence. In, verse, in chapter 2 of Genesis, in verse 7, concerning man, we read this. Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We're told God formed man from what? From the dust of the ground. And so man, like the animals, here is formed from the elements already in existence. The elements of the earth. The elements that God created back on day one. And this word formed here in chapter 2 verse 7, this word formed is interesting. You see, it's a word that's used to speak about the potter forming the clay into a work of art. You see, the human body is a work of art. God is the potter. He has formed our bodies. This amazing, complex organism. Only the wisdom of God could have designed it. Only God could have brought it into being. And having formed man from the dust of the earth, verse 7 tells us that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And so man is also given life and becomes a living soul and god so god takes these two things that are already in existence okay matter the elements and the principle of the living soul and god makes man and so thus although man's structure will be far more complex than that of the animals it it, it would be in basic simple terms of the same essence the difference of course comes because god determined to make us in his own image you see man was to be far more than just a very complex and highly organized animal we are to be more we were created to be more there was to be something in man that was not possessed in any degree by the animals There's something that sets us apart, that makes us different. As I said, man was to be created in the image and likeness 
of God himself. And so for this to be possible, it's going to take the creative act of God. Something new needs to be brought into existence. And that's what we see secondly now this morning. We see God created. God created man. Verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. As we said before, man was to be much more than simply a very complex and highly organized animal. Where to be more than that? And so we read here that God <coughs> created man in his own image. God created. That's that Hebrew word, bara, again. We've seen it a couple of times now in Genesis chapter 1. Created. It's the word speaking about something that only God can do, bringing something completely new out of nothing. God created man. You know, this is only the third time we've seen this word in Genesis chapter 1. We saw it used in relation to the creation of space, matter, and time universe back in verse 1, okay, where it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That's that word. Okay, God brought into being the space, matter, time universe out of nothing. And then we saw it used in verse 21, where it says, And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every wing fell after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And so here's the second mention of that word, created. Okay, God created the principle of life. We talked about that. When we looked at the creation of the marine life and the birds, he brought into being this idea of life, the soul, the principle of life. And now we see this word used for the third time and it's used in relation to man. There's something new about man. You see, for man to be made in the image of God, it was going to take something completely new, something that hadn't been brought into existence. And basically what we're seeing here is the creation of the eternal part of man. We're talking about the creation of man's spirit. A spirit. You know, we can use this term, spirit here, to define, if you like, the aspect of man that is like God. You know, in verse 26 there it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. After our likeness. The, the spirit, if you like, is the aspect of man that is like God. You see, man is given an eternal spirit. And this is something that the animals simply do not possess. You now, when an animal dies, its spirit ceases to exist. It dies, returns to the earth. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 points out this distinction. Let's just turn over there quickly. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 21. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 21, it says this, Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward, to the earth. Distinctions pointed out here. The spirit of man continues to exist. The spirit of beast, where does it go? To the earth. The, the spirit of the earth, uh, spirit of the beast, sorry, the life of the beast, it ceases to exist. 
It doesn't have an eternal spirit. But you see, man is created with an eternal spirit. The spirit of man, like the angelic and like the demonic spirits, and like God himself, is an eternal spirit. Man will continue to exist after physical death. That's the point. We will continue to exist after physical death. Either we will continue to exist for eternity in heaven, or we will continue to exist for eternity in hell. But we will continue to exist. And of course, from the beginning, God created man with an eternal spirit so that we might have eternal fellowship with him. That was his design. That was his purpose. Now, that's always been God's desire for man. But sin has marred that relationship, hasn't it? Sin has marred that relationship. It's, it's marred the image of God, if you like, in man. And we'll come back to that in a moment. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a moment. But let's consider here exactly how man is created in the image of God. Now, we said that the angels are also spiritual beings. But the angels are not created in the image of God. Nowhere in the Word of God will you read a verse that talks about angels being created in the image of God. They're not. Only mankind is said to be created in God's image. And as such, we are created with the unique ability to have a very special relationship with God. Angels cannot have the same kind of relationship of love and fellowship with God that we can, that man was designed to have. You see, man is indeed God's unique creation, created in his image. You know, the idea of being created in his image also refers to those aspects of man that are not shared with the animals, that are not shared. Those aspects of human nature which are not shared by animals. You see, we've been created with a sense of morality, haven't we? We have a sense of morality. We're able to make moral judgments. We have a conscience. You know, we have been created with personality. Each of us have a unique individual personality. We've been created with the ability to gain knowledge and understanding. We've been created with feelings. We've been created with a free will, as we talked about earlier. And all of those things set us apart from the animals. All of those things set us apart from the animals and are a reflection of who? They're a reflection of God. They're a reflection of Him. His morality, His personality, His knowledge, His feelings, His will. They're a reflection of God. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, we've been created with the unique capacity to worship and to love God. To have a relationship with Him. Man is created to be a spiritual being. You know, Morris, on this point, he writes this. He says, The image of God in which man was created must entail those aspects of human nature which are not shared by animals. Attributes such, such as a moral conscience the ability to think abstractly, an understanding of beauty and emotion, and above all, the capacity for worshipping and loving God. The eternal and divine dimension of man's being must be the essence of what is involved 
in the likeness of God. And since none of this was part of the animal, nefesh or soul, it required a new creation. That's why there's a new creation here, because this is something different, distinct. Something else is needed to create man. Now, along the way, we've seen that, haven't we? Created matter. When it came to the animals, there needed to be something new, the soul, life. And now there's something new again for man, the spirits, this eternal part of man. So man is created in the image of God, created to reflect God, created to have a relationship with God. Now, as I mentioned earlier, but sadly, this image has been marred by sin. Let's just turn to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, if you would. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 verse 17 it says this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 18 in particular talks about us, our understanding darkened and we're alienated from the life of God. The image of God has been marred. That, that relationship that God created us to enjoy, that relationship with Him has been destroyed by sin. We're not able to enjoy that relationship. Instead, we're alienated from God. Of course, when we get to Genesis chapter 3, we'll see what sin caused this. We'll see Adam and Eve, of course, there in the garden. And they were told one thing, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They partook. And when they did, we all became sinners. Adam was our representative there in the garden. And because of Adam, we are now all alienated from God. We are now spiritually dead that that spirit that god created for us to have a relationship with him it's separated that relationship's destroyed in romans 5 and verse 12 it says this wherefore as by one man that's adam by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned of course it's talking about more than physical death it's talking about spiritual death because of adam's sin we are now all spiritually Dead. The image of God has been marred. We're unable to enjoy that fellowship with him that he made us to enjoy. But you know, praise God, he made a way for that relationship to be restored. As we mentioned earlier, God, when he created man, he knew we were going to do this. And so God had already put in place a redemption plan. And God, in his perfect timing, sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to earth to die in our place upon the cross, to pay the redemption price so that we might be saved, so we might have that relationship restored, that fellowship restored once again. You know, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3, it says, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Christ died for us, for our sins, my sin, your sin. He died so that we might have life, spiritual life, and we might have that fellowship with God through simple faith in Him. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
Simple faith in Christ is what saves us. You see, through Christ, this relationship can now be restored. We can have wonderful fellowship with God that he created us to enjoy. Ephesians 2 and verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened. Quickened means made alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Through Christ, we are made alive spiritually. They would have fellowship with God. You know, after we are saved, as we then submit to the Spirit, we are changed little by little into the image of His dear Son. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians 3 tells us? Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Another wonderful verse. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. After we are saved, we are changed little by little into the image of our Saviour. To be more like him. To be what he wanted us to be. Through his power we are transformed. Romans 12 does that. Be transformed into his image. You know, this is an ongoing transformation in this life, isn't it? Little by little, after we get saved, we're transformed. But you know, when we get to glory, we will be completely transformed. Into the image of Christ. You know, 1 John 3 tells us that, doesn't it? When we see him, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. You see, on that day, we will truly be what God intended us to be, intended mankind to be. We will be like Christ. We will be in his image. Perfect relationship with him. You see, we were created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, spiritual beings. But that image, that relationship has been marred by sin. It's been destroyed. We are all born separated from God. But in Christ, that fellowship can be restored. And we can have eternal life with him. Now, I couldn't help but ask the question this morning, you know, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Or are you still dead, alienated from God? Dead spiritually because of your sin and destined to spend eternity in hell. You see, without trusting in Christ, there's a, there a massive hole in your heart that only God can fill. There's something missing. It's that relationship with God that he created you for. And the only way to have that relationship is through Christ. Now, if you don't know Christ, won't you trust him today before it's eternally too late? Trust in him so that you might experience the joy of sweet fellowship with the God who created you. I want to look further this morning and just briefly at the fact that God created male and female. Let's just turn back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he then. That's the final thing I want us to consider this morning. God created male and female. And both were created in the image of God. 
Now the verse gives us a very simple overview of God's creation of man. Chapter 2 tells us a lot more about how God created man and God created female, Adam and Eve. But the point is that from here, verse 27, from the very beginning, God created a distinction between the sexes, didn't he? God created male and female. You know, the term man at the start of the verse here is actually the word Adam in the Hebrew. It's the word Adam. It's a word related to the Hebrew word for earth. It's a fitting name for man, isn't it? Because man was created from the earth. You know, that word man is also a generic term and includes both male and female, as the end of the verse makes clear. Okay, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. The end of the verse makes it clear. God created both, male and female, and both were created in his image. Both possess equally an eternal spirit capable of fellowship with God. You know, while we were both created in the image of God, we are distinct, male and female. There is a distinction. You know, our day today, our world has sadly tried to say there is no distinction. It's getting worse, isn't it? This whole idea of gender fluidity and everything else. Saying there is no distinction between male and female. You know, if we were the product of mindless evolution, this might make sense. But man is not the product of some evolutionary accidents. We are not the top rung of the evolutionary ladder. Rather, man is God's unique creation, created in his image, created male and female from the beginning. God created a distinction. And it's good and it's perfect and it's there for a reason, isn't it? God created us to each have a relationship with him. As I said earlier, that relationship has been marred by sin in all of us, male and female. It's been marred by sin. And the only way it can be restored is through faith in Christ. You know, I wonder today, have you that fellowship with God? Do you know what it means to have fellowship with him? Are you saved? And if not, why don't you call on him today before it's eternally too late? Let's close in the word of prayer. Dear Lord, and Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that in your love and grace you determined... Lord, to create man, male and female, to create us in your image, Lord, to be spiritual beings, to have a relationship with you. And Lord, because of sin, that relationship has been destroyed. But Lord, we thank you so much that you had a plan in place to send your son, to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins, so that we might have that relationship restored. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today who is not saved, anyone here who doesn't know Christ is their saviour that you work in their hearts and that today they realise that something is missing in their lives and that something is the relationship with you that you, you created them to enjoy. Lord, may you bless as we close now. May we rejoice in these great truths we pray in Jesus' name.